Trumpcast listeners, Virginia Heffernan here. What you're about to hear is a preview of a Trumpcast Plus episode. We've now made one out of every four episodes available to Plus members only, and we don't want you to miss out. It's only $35 for the first year, and you get access to all of the shows on Slate Plus. You know, maybe today is the day you throw a few pennies a day at Slate. It lets you get all of our podcasts ad-free, including special episodes like this one. And you get front-of-the-line white glove treatment at Slate live events and, in general, bottle service in the Slate VIP lounge. You will also be supporting our work, which we deeply appreciate. So go to slate.com slash Trumpcast Plus to sign up. And thanks for listening. Welcome to Trumpcast. I'm Virginia Heffernan. My guest today is Lori Garrett. She's a former senior fellow for global health at the Council on Foreign Relations and a Pulitzer Prize winning science writer. She's one of the ranking experts on pandemics, and I'm really excited to talk to her. Lori, welcome to Trumpcast. Hi. You were pretty much the first to say, well, she would give some advice to China even about how individuals might begin to protect themselves. And then all the way up to spotting Trump's failures before we even had a confirmed case on U.S. soil, you thought that this leadership had already begun to fail. Tell us how you see good leadership in a time like this and why Trump doesn't represent that. Well, one of the things, after all the epidemics I've been, all the books I've written about it, and mind you, as a fellow New Yorker, I also was in 9-11 and wrote a book called I Heard the Sirens Scream, How Americans Responded to, to the 9-11 and Anthrax Attacks. Yes. And my book, Betrayal of Trust, The Collapse of Global Public Health, came in between the coming plague and sirens scream and was meant to ask, why don't we have systems in place that can solve this? And what would those systems look like? So, uh, you know, over the years, I've seen every kind of leader <laughs> you know, be in charge of an epidemic. And for the most part, it's been pretty grim. There's a classic set of responses that politicians have in an outbreak. First, it's, this is a trivial problem. It's only one case. It's only four cases. It's only 50 cases, whatever the only number may be. And it's all in this one place. So it's their problem. So the head of state passes the buck down and it stays that way until it hits some critical moment. A foreigner gets infected, a member of the upper class gets infected, a riot occurs of angry citizenry at the local spot against local government claiming that they're spreading the disease or some such thing, or an outside organization such as MSF, Doctors Without Borders, or the Red Cross or WHO somehow gets engaged. And that embarrasses the national government. Then the second tier response is typically, all right, national government's upset. We're marching in. Here we come. Everybody get out of the way. We have sharp elbows and we're going to take over now and we'll fix all this in no time at all. And then there's the, oh, <laughs> whoa, this is way worse than we thought. We can't fix this in a minute but we're going to blame the local government because they totally screwed this up. And we wouldn't be in this mess if these local guys or some international player were going to blame, like maybe Doctors Without Borders made the epidemic, or maybe some foreign government released a biological agent. 
Um, maybe it came from some secret laboratory somewhere. Every epidemic, there's that moment when conspiracy theories arise and there's all kinds of, you know, incoherence players named. You know, for example, every time I've been in an epidemic in India, Pakistan supposedly made the epidemic. And every time I'm in an epidemic in Pakistan, India supposedly made the epidemic. And in Africa, it's very common in outbreaks that the white foreigners made the epidemic, or there's not even really an epidemic. They're here to scavenge our body parts to use for organ transplants in Europe. That's a very common conspiracy theory all over Africa. In Latin America, it is common to see another Latin population blamed. So if there's an outbreak in, say, northern Brazil, it all came from Venezuela. They're culpable. Or if it's in the Amazon, it all came from the indigenous people. And if we just wipe them out, we won't have to worry about it anymore. So you did study anthrax. I mean, clearly, this particular coronavirus wasn't deployed by some kind of enemy nation on anyone else. But you did study the anthrax outbreak or the anthrax attack, as you say. And there are cases of germ warfare being deployed. Are these such a vanishingly small percentage that they shouldn't be calculated in, factored in when there's an outbreak? I mean, I'm happy to ignore them altogether. It's just that because there are a few cases of anthrax being distributed or the old story of smallpox blankets being distributed to an indigenous people in, on this continent, it does come to mind. We have no example of a bioweapon being used in recent time. Okay. The last really proven cases were uh, Soviet, and they involved such things as assassinating a Bulgarian diplomat who had voiced things that upset the Kremlin by using a uh, botulinum toxin that was inserted into the person via the tip of an umbrella wow. in the streets of London. I mean, this is bona fide James Bond level stuff. But as far as releasing a microbe into a mass population for the desired purpose of killing huge numbers of people, other than the anthrax mailings, we don't have any recent history examples. We have to go to World War II to see them. Now, that doesn't mean that there haven't been labs over the years trying to make things. And certainly for betrayal of trust, I spent nearly a year traveling across the former Soviet Union and looking in the mid-90s at what actually had been going on in the Soviet Union, both in public health, general health, and in their bioweapons program. And it was massive. I mean, nothing else anywhere in the world came close to what the Soviets were doing. And they had perfected some pretty serious biological weaponry. They had a lot of wild schemes that didn't work, fortunately, but um, they'd certainly done enough to be worth worrying about. What's interesting there, because I finally saw the movie Contagion, and as you point out also, disinformation, I didn't realize how hard upon it follows an outbreak that disinformation you know the idea that that the disinformation that information is quote viral i've never totally loved that metaphor on the other hand this is something deployed as we know by the kremlin that also had a feel for bioweapons and the fact that they track and the fact that memes 
are communicated. You know, some of the disinformation in Contagion, it's the Forsythia cure. But, you know, currently there are all kinds of bonkers cures and conspiracy theories that, you know, they do have a certain logic to them that tracks with microbes, with pathogens. Every single outbreak I've ever been in has had wild conspiracy theories associated with it. And they run the gamut from well-intentioned but completely scientifically bogus things to money-making exploitive ventures. You know, we get you scared in a certain way and then we sell you a product. All the way to straight out, cynical, even evil, panic disinformation intended to roil the population, exploit the situation. For example, obviously in 1980, 81, 82, 83, 84, we saw horrible conspiracy theories all across the United States and Western Europe related to gay men and HIV, what we now call HIV, which then had other names. And then add in Haitians. And there was this moment, insane moment, that had nothing to do with biology, where even the U.S. government labeled Haitians a special risk group, as if the virus knew who was Dominican and who was Haitian and would not cross the mountains from Haiti to Dominica, Dominican Republic, you know, as if the virus knew which residents of the immigrant population of Brooklyn happened to be Haitian and which ones were Jamaican. (laughs) That was our preview. Aren't you compelled to hear more? You can. Just sign up for Slate Plus at slate.com slash Trumpcast Plus to listen to the full episode and get all our podcasts without ads. That's slate.com slash Trumpcast Plus.